And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back, hour number two, JT. It is Raider Nation Radio on 920 AM. Flagship station of the Silver and Black, uh, sister station to the Vegas Golden Knights, and everything else that's happening in Vegas. Hope everybody had a great weekend. And there's a lot happening because we have the Stanley Cup playoffs. The playoffs will resume back in Vegas on Thursday as Vegas even the series at 2-2. And now they're in Denver and they play here tomorrow night. We should have the owner of the team on at some point this week. So we're going to have a busy week. I went on Friday night. I had an amazing time. Amazing time. Just incredible. I tell you, I've been going to sporting events. If you've been listening to me for 20 minutes or 20 years, you know how much pride I take going to sporting events. And when I go to a Golden Knight game, it's incredible. It really is that type of experience in this town. And Raider games are going to be incredible because of Allegiant Stadium and the NFL. Got a lot happening here. Uh, soccer tickets Went on sale today for the Gold Cup. I got myself three to go to that event. I'm looking forward to seeing the fight, Wilder Fury 3, which is going to be a lot of fun. And also, we're giving away two tickets two days this week to the grand opening of Virgin Hotels. They have their big bash coming up this weekend. From Thursday night, Christina Aguilera will be performing in the theater, the old joint where I met my wife. So I'm going to be there. My wife's going to that show. I'm going to work that night. But I'll be spending the next uh, those three nights this weekend over at Virgin Hotels. And we're excited they have a promotion going on with us. Also, this hour, Kevin Ioli, the great MMA boxing writer. And I want to get into my experience Friday at the draft luncheon with Robert Gallery. Got a lot of good things to say about the alumni and the experience I had with Robert Gallery. Big topic today is that Tennessee, who's in the same conference of the writers in the AFC, got Julio Jones. What's the reaction from Raider Nation? I don't think he got away. I don't think the Raiders were going after him. And that's fine. If the Raiders don't go after him, what, what is the reasoning behind that? I think Julio Jones makes the Raiders better, but the Raiders have a plan in place. And for those who are critical of the plan or they're critical of Gruden, they're sticking with the plan. And they think they're on the right path with younger players in the development stage and bringing in veterans like Casey Hayward, Yannick Ngakwe, they were very active in free agency in the offseason, and hopefully the plan works, but Julio Jones would have made the Raiders better. Was it too expensive or just not a good fit? We'll wait to hear from the Raiders on that. Joe in Salt Lake City. Joe, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Thanks for calling. Hey, JT. Pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on. So it's Thank a pleasure you, Joe. to listen to you. Thank you. Uh, thanks to you and the team for always doing this every day. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, you know, for me personally, when I woke up and saw the news, I was actually a bit relieved because I believe in our young guys. I believe in the people we got in the building. And, you know, I think, uh, Raider Nation, like we're a passionate fan base, but, you know, we got to ease up on some of the hate out there. You know, let's, let's just love and support these young guys because that's what they need. Well, they do. They need the, they need the support there. And I think the young guys need more touches and, I said it last year, if you were listening, Joe, I think you were, that 
there's only one football. It's a term I use all the time. There's only one football, and Darren Wallers and Josh Jacobs are going to get it most of the time. So the other guys aren't going to get a lot of opportunities, and when they do, they got to make the most of it. And if Julio Jones came here, Julio Jones would have been demanding the football second most behind Darren Waller. And what would that mean for Renfro, Ruggs, Edwards? I think their opportunities go down, and those guys got to shine this year. They got to have big years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the young guys, uh, I think they can get it done. You know, I, I feel good about them. Um, mm-hmm. We drafted them where we drafted them for good reason. So, you know, I'm excited to, excited to get down there in the in the stadium. I'm, I'm planning on going for the Dolphins game. Good. So I'm stoked on that. Yeah, but you know, as far as the uh, just the transition to the to the Vegas Knights, like I'm not a hockey guy, but man, that's really grabbing my attention. And like all I can say about about the game from the, the pregame to the game, like everything, mm. it's just epic. So it is. you know, it's really cool to see how uh, there's some good synergy going on between the Knights and the Raiders and and the Aces too. So yes, um, pr- pretty excited for just all of Vegas in general. It's, I think this is a a great step, and it's a natural step for the city to take, you know. Thank you. Appreciate the call. You're right about that. The the synergy between Mark Davis and Bill Foley, Mark Davis owning the Aces now, there's great synergy. There's not a lot of hatred in this town. You know, right here in Vegas now, we're dealing with that scam artist, Carnival Barker, Dave Cavill, president of the Oakland A's, who now is claiming that there's nowhere to develop you believe that? You believe someone has the balls to talk about the limited opportunities to develop in the East Bay? You know how much bigger the East Bay is than Las Vegas, Nevada? And now we deal with this background noise and the spin, spin machine of the Oakland A's wanting to come here. One of, the, one of the reasons why, not all of them, one of the reasons why the Raiders ended up leaving Oakland was the A's signing that 10-year lease to block the Raiders and stay there. And that was the real, real beginning of the end. And now, all of a sudden, the A's have the Warriors and the Raiders out of the market, or at least out of the East Bay, and they're complaining about developing in the East Bay. You know how much more money there is in the East Bay than there is in Vegas? It's incredible. So the synergy is here. There is no synergy with the Raiders and the A's. Okay, there's none. The Raiders have no synergy with the A's, and vice versa. Okay, and I don't know what the Golden Knights care about the Oakland A's. The synergy between the Raiders and the Golden Knights are, are very good. It's good. That's why you see so many Raiders at the games and Mark Davis at the game all the time. Everybody in the city is pulling for more entertainment dollars and more games. That's what it's all about. Maui Raider, you're up next. What's happening, man? Thanks for calling. Hey, JT. Thanks for having me. Just Thank you. Just wanted to bring out a couple of points that were uh, brought up about uh, Julio, I think that it's a reflection of the confidence, like the previous caller said, the confidence of the team in Edwards and the rest of the wide receiver crew. Finding out what they got, what Titans paid for him or what they gave up for him, um, I thought we should be and would have been in the market. So it's kind of a two-edged sword where you got to basically have faith in the process and what the Raiders are doing and what Mark Davis and, and Gruden and Mayock uh, have that faith in that wide receiver core. So I think uh-huh. it's up to us to sit back and let it unfold and watch how it happens. I'm fired up. I got my tickets for the season opener on Monday night, um, so I'm ready to go. But I think it goes back to fodder and opinion until we see the manifestation on the field itself, bottom line. And if you make it to Maui, uh, JT, come out and play some golf with him, man. I love it. I'll be, I'll actually, I plan on being in Maui pretty quick here. I go there 
every year, and I got a couple of buddies live out there. So keep in, keep in, keep listening. I'll tell you when that happens. It's uh, go time for me. Thanks for the call. Look, you know that's those are two calls back to back saying be patient. Two calls back to back. Let's be patient with the young guys. Great. It sounds good, but I'm the guy sitting behind the microphone on the post game show and doing a five day a week show in season where a lot of the fans aren't patient. A lot of the fans want to win now. So if you don't make a run at Aaron Rodgers, which I'm good with Derek Carr being here, if you don't make a run at Julio Jones because you're good with the young talent, fine. We'll see how it plays out. I just know that Julio Jones is such an elite player. I would have liked to have seen him in a Raider uniform. I really would. There's only a few players that I wanted to see and expected. I got Yannick Ngakwe right. Casey Haywood was a nice surprise with him coming over. I've always been a fan. You know, there's a couple of players that I really like in this league on the defensive side. I'm a fan of Clowney. I really was. I like Clowney. I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to hide behind that. I would have liked to have seen Clowney come in there, and he ends up going to Cleveland, and Cleveland went to the playoffs last year, and the Raiders didn't. So whenever there are players who are making a decision to go into free agency or are going to be about a trade, you better believe we're going to cover it on this channel. We're going to cover it on Raider Nation Radio because it's important with the overall theme of what the Raiders are supposed to be doing here, which is hopefully being active. As Mike Mayock says, he doesn't claim, he means it, that Mike evaluates every player, every position daily. They do that after practice. So if they believe that they can upgrade the team, they're going to go up out and upgrade the team. Good phone calls. Let's keep them up. 702-365-9200. Let's get out to Raider T in Walnut Creek. Raider T, what's happening? Hey, Brick. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. Hey, I got, I got two takes for you. One, the Julio mm-hmm. Jones, and the second, the Robert Gallery. First on Julio Jones, um, I'm always looking at potential trades as a GM, if it's worth it or not. And mm-hmm. my only uh, reservation was, are we going to have to give up too much to get him? And that would be in the line of a first, multiple firsts, a first and a second. But hearing, you know, a second and a fourth, I think that would have been a good move for us. I think it would have been worthwhile to do that. Because, A, he gives um, Derek Carr number one wide receiver, so you combine him with uh, uh, Darren Waller. Um, it just improves the offense. It could take us to the next level, number one. Number two, that's a guy that the young guys like Ruggs and Edwards can learn from, right? The tricks of the trades, the little things on how to get open and how to be a professional, all that stuff. That's like, you know, when we had Brown and Jerry Rice uh, teaching the younger guys. So I think it would have been a win-win given what uh, Tennessee had to give up for him. So I'm disappointed we didn't bring him in the locker room. Uh, number two, Robert Gallery. I agree with you 100%. Um, number one, he didn't have a Hall of Fame career. He wasn't a perennial pro bowler. But I always look at guys, do they give you their heart and soul on every play out there? And Robert Gallery, you know, there's things that worked against him physically. He had injuries. He ended up moving to guard and having a pretty decent career at guard. But that dude was a mean, nasty dude that gave you everything he had in the field. So I agree 100%. We need to welcome him back into Raider Nation. The only guys I have problems with are guys that, they don't put it on the line for their teammates, their fans, the organization. So I'm about as old as you. I've been following the Raiders since mm. the late 70s. The only two guys that I have a big problem with, and, and there's lots of guys that didn't work mm. out. You know, if you look at um, first-round picks, Darius Bay, Michael Huff, Patrick Bates, uh, guys like that. I don't have problems with those guys. They don't always work out. But when you don't show up and put in the effort, and those two guys are Trent Brown and Junk Marcus Russell. Those are the mm. only two on my list that – 
no limit loss. But um, yeah. let's welcome him back. The guy uh, gave us everything he had, and let's go Raiders. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Trent Brown at all. I thought he really disgraced the uniform. I thought his attitude sucked. But I'm not the owner of the team. I'm not involved in deciding who they welcome back. And if you played with the Raiders, you're once a Raider, always a Raider. And the same thing with Jamarcus Russell. Knowing the way this organization is built, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamarcus Russell came back somewhere down the road for a reunion. Didn't work out for the young man. He had personal problems. He had real big demons. Mentally, he was immature. It was a disaster pick. The pick was made for the right reasons. Everybody in the league would have taken him number two or number one. Okay, it wasn't like the Raiders swung and missed and took a guy at number one that could have dropped to the midpoint of the first round. But he was immature at the time. He had problems with the purple drink. He had problems partying, and he was way immature. But again, you know, people, I don't like judging people. I don't like judging human beings on their athletic ability. That's never been what I do. I judge people on their faith, who they are, and first impressions. I tell that to all the fans I meet, too. You know, I judge fans for who I meet, not some of these uh, knuckleheads on Twitter who slide in and say mean things about you or your family or me or this or that. I judge people on the people you meet in life in person and get to know. And I think that's very important. And there's going to be guys who come back to the Raiders who maybe weren't your favorite players, but they're part of a family. They're part of a fraternity which is very strong, and the Raiders lead in that category. They care more about their alumni than any fan base. I've had other team players say that when I'm up at Bolitnikoff's. When I hang out with Coach Ditka, I see his event. He always talks about the Raiders, like he's a Raider because the Raiders care more for people in gridiron greats and people that are suffering than any other organization. So you don't have to like every player the Raiders bring back, but what I'll talk about later with Robert Gallery is you should respect them. You should respect them for what they did. Uh, Bobby reminded we wanted to play some sound from Friday, Mark Bedane, MJ Maynard, everybody who met over at the stadium in regards to the parking. This is a very important topic to a lot of people, and I wanted to make sure we played some of the sound of the president of the Raiders, Mark Bedane, talking about the parking issues going forward and how everybody will be able to find parking and where should they look. There's no shortage of parking options available. Uh, the NFL, when they send out parking surveys, they usually ask for how many spaces you have within a mile radius of the stadium. And while obviously a mile is too long for some patrons to walk, most people uh, in most NFL markets are willing to walk that far to come to the games. Again, we'll have shuttles for those that can't make the walk. But within a mile of this stadium are 35,000 parking spots. When we surveyed our fans, like I mentioned earlier, we found that we needed about 12,000. So we do feel that we have oversupply. That's an interesting point in regards to the footprint of Allegiant Stadium right up against the 15 freeway. Mark Bedane talked about that 35,000 number and how that should be enough. We have 13,000 spots that are under our complete control, meaning we either own them, either on site here at lots that we've invested money and purchased or that we have long-term leases with the property owners. Some of them have tailgating options, some of them don't. You'll get that information in a second. There's another 22,000 spots located on the resort corridor and in other businesses around this area, some of which have said, we're gonna handle parking ourselves, some of which we're gonna control. So again, we have 35,000 spots. It's a lot of spots considering that's more than I thought. But depending on your likeness and what you think of a certain spot compared to another, 
Mark Bedane, the president of the Raiders, talked about the spaces they'll have available for tailgaters. When we were in Oakland, we had about 9,000 total spots. We had about 2,500 active tailgates going on in any particular game. So we feel, again, that we have more than enough supply here for the demand that we've seen in the past, as well as the demand that the surveys showed. So we've got 6,500 spots available for tailgating. Make sure if you purchase it that you know that you can tailgate on that lot. Otherwise, you'll show up. We don't want you to be disappointed on game day. That's really important to know where you're buying your, your parking bass if it's going to have the availability for tailgating. Mark Bedane talked about the parking passes that will be coming on sale. We're going to start selling season-long passes in the next couple of weeks. We're going to email and start with our locals. So local PSL holders will get first crack along with club seat buyers, and then we'll move on to PSL holders in other markets. So that's the process. Uh, our, our, our service team is going to start reaching out to their accounts shortly uh, and start making appointments. People will make a decision of whether they want to purchase a season-long pass. If they decline, they'll be given information on single event passes. If you're not planning on coming to all 10 games, Perhaps you'll only buy on the single-game market. The other big thing is the Hacienda Bridge, because I come down from Summerlin on Hacienda, and when you get to the stadium, depending on where you're going to park, a lot of people take the Hacienda Bridge over to the Strip. That's going to play a big role for foot traffic and people that take mass transit buses and find a way to get close to the Strip and then walk over. We anticipate, and we've surveyed our fans, and... We anticipate having a, a good chunk of the fan base going down, starting their day on the strip, and then coming to the game, and then ending their day on the strip. And so what we've worked on is the bridge you see behind us, the Hacienda Bridge, will be closed to vehicular traffic and will become part of the stadium walk and the stadium experience. So in any way you come down to the strip, whether it be by Uber or by other rideshare partners, uh, whether you drive and park there, whether you get dropped off there, you're going to have this fan experience of coming across the bridge uh, with fellow Raider fans. Uh, one last thing on me and tailgating. I love tailgating. Anybody who knows me up in Oakland, the Black Hole tailgate and a couple other ones, I was a mainstay at them. Vegas is different than Oakland. It's a different footprint and parking when it comes to the, the way you hang out right off the 880, what happened in Oakland and what's going to happen here off the 15 in Vegas. I will tell you from being in the stadium a number of times, a lot of people are going to want to get in the stadium. Not that they're not going to want to tailgate. Some people are going to want to have cold beverages outside, eat, and tailgate. The majority of the people are going to want to get inside. There'll be entertainment on the inside. It'll be cool. It'll be air-conditioned. All the amenities, all of the extra party spots in the stadium at Coors Light Landing, getting to your seat, seeing warm-ups and all that. It's just going to be different. I think people are going to understand that getting inside the stadium it's going to be a priority, and for those who want to stay out as late as possible and tailgate, more power to you. When you have a brand-new stadium, that is the jewel of the league. Believe me, people are going to be busting their ass to get inside and to see what's waiting for them. All right, coming up next, uh, more on what the experience is like in the stadium. I know all of you are not into nightclubs, and the nightclub stage is kind of passing my window, even though I like a good nightclub. I went inside the wind club inside Allegiant Stadium. I want to tell you about that and the experience we had on Friday with some of the alumni, including Robert Gallery, as we continue. Brought to you by Merdello, the official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders and Broncos and Chargers and Chiefs 
proud AFC West. It's uh, going to get exciting, I think, for years to come. JT, as we continue on on a beautiful Monday, a little bit overcast over where I am, but a nice day after an amazing weekend here. Hot weekend in Vegas on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Ihole, the new international award-winning ultra-premium tequila. I had some Ihole over the weekend. Fantastic. It's from Tequila, Mexico. Recognizes the birthplace of tequila when the Golden Knights score. Raise a shot glass of Ihole and yell Ihole for the Golden Knights after that great win. So we're back. Uh, we're off tomorrow for the Aviators. That'll happen a couple of times this summer, not often, where there'll be a day baseball game, and we'll get bumped here, one of the upsides or downsides of doing a show in the middle of the day. So this is a crazy weekend in sports. There was a lot of NBA, a lot of baseball. We had the U.S. men's soccer team beating Mexico last night. I was on the air when that went down. That game got wild and ugly, a lot of objects thrown on the field. There was some derogatory slurs from the crowd. This is in Denver. So we talk about bad language and throwing objects. Remember we were talking about throwing objects at Russell Westbrook, the popcorn. Trey Young was spit on. And now we have another low moment in America where everyone who is watching that game in Mexico or around the world, because it was a pretty big soccer game, CONCACAF, and they just saw objects raining down onto the pitch. Not a good look. Not a good look can't be doing that and again the fans were going crazy there it was a very chippy soccer game and then Saturday John Rahm got eliminated from the Memorial Golf Tournament for testing positive for COVID and I watched that live in real time and that was wild because Rahm was going to win that golf tournament I think easily he had a six-shot lead going into Sunday and when he got that news on the green when he finished his round on Saturday you know he just had a brand new baby he's got a wife and he crated to his knees, thought it could have been much worse. COVID's pretty bad, but he'll survive that. He lost $1.67 million. And that was a big topic because a lot of people are wondering, was he vaccinated or not? It's a privacy issue. He had a test every day, so I'm assuming he wasn't vaccinated for whatever decision he made. And that decision cost him winning a great golf tournament and almost $2 million. So... Depending on what you think about the vaccine or what you want to do to protect yourself and be safe around other people, that is a huge storyline that and it kind of got knocked from the news cycle because everybody was talking about the Clippers. LeBron got eliminated. All right, so LeBron got eliminated Thursday night. I was on the radio for that. I wanted to share something with everybody that happened on Friday. I was a part of an event over at the stadium, Allegiant Stadium, a recap. It was called the Draft Class Luncheon. And it was basically a chalk talk and an opportunity to sit down and talk to former alumni in front of corporate partners. And there were a lot of big corporate partners, and we were on the field at Allegiant Stadium. The Allegiant Stadium staff did an unbelievable job setting us up in the south end zone. And it was a lot of fun. So I got to emcee the event, and it was really cool being at the podium in the end zone on that stage. I got a perspective that I've never seen before. Very humbled to have that opportunity. So before the event happened, we were in the UNLV locker room, in the green room with the alumni, and it was Stanford Route, Kirk Morrison, Robert Gallery, and one of my all-time favorites, Raymond Chester. So there were four alumni there. And I had an opportunity to talk to Robert Gallery for about 10 minutes. 
And Robert Gallery could be one of the nicest guys I've ever known. He's that cool of a guy. And I was talking to him about his family, and he's got a house in Lake Tahoe, and he goes boating, and Barry Sims was going to go up and boat with him, and he's got a beautiful family, and obviously has a nice life up in Tahoe, where he lives most of the time. And Robert is an icon from Iowa. He's one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play college football. He won the Outland Award trophy, and he was selected in the 2004 draft at number two overall. So he was the second overall pick in that draft. And I remember that draft well because everybody thought and was convinced that the Raiders, who had the second pick, were going to get Gallery. And at the time, it was a great pick. The Raiders needed help on the offensive line. Uh, Gallery was a generational player. So we all know what happened. Robert came in, and he tried his best to play, and he turned out to not be a Hall of Famer, not to be a perennial Pro Bowler, not to be that type of player. And that's part of the past now. But he is welcomed to the Raider family as an alumni. And I just hope all you fans and all the fans that are hearing me on Raider Nation Radio really appreciate him. Because there are players that come and go, and not everyone is going to be Art Shell or Gene Upshaw or Jim Otto. They're all not going to be Charles Woodson. Stanford Route was there. Stanford played a couple of years, was a good player. He wasn't a great player. He moved on from the Raiders, but he was proud to be representing the Raiders. So during this chalk talk that we did, and I asked all these guys questions, and Robert talked about his career and his favorite teammates and what it meant to him to be a Raider. And he was so humbled. He was so happy to be in the building and be associated with the Silver and Black in this alumni department. And he sat there and he signed autographs for all the sponsors who were there. He took pictures and was so gracious with his time. And I was talking to a couple of people behind the scenes when it was done, and I said, I hope we see Robert a lot more. I hope Robert comes back more and more, and I hope the fans treat him with the respect that he deserves. You know, there are players that are not going to live up to their potential in the NFL, but they can look back on their lives and say that they were Hall of Fame. Robert Gallery is a Hall of Fame college football player, legend, very similar to Tim Tebow when he was at Florida. Didn't turn out to be a great NFL player. Who cares? He's an icon, and Robert is that type of player. So I wanted to share that with everybody in Raider Nation because it's very important. You're going to see him around a lot. And when you see Robert Gallery, I don't think you should be talking about the lows of his career or the expectations that you had of him. I think what you should do is you see Robert Gallery, thank him. Once a Raider, always a Raider. You know, give him a high five. Thank him for coming to Vegas and being a part of the organization. It's really important to Mark Davis and the alumni department, and it's really Nice to see Robert feel welcome at home here. He's a guy that I haven't seen for a number of years, and now he's back. I just hope he gets treated with the respect that he deserves. Everyone who's ever played and wore the silver and black deserves everyone's respect. You don't have to slot them. You don't have to compare them. I asked Raymond Jester, I said, Raymond Jester, who's the greatest player that you ever played against? And Raymond Jester went down this road, and he was talking about You know, the great players in the 70s and these guys that he went up against. But he said, I said, Raymond, who's the greatest teammate you ever had? And he said, Cliff Branch. He's the greatest teammate I ever had. Best player he's ever played with. I put my hand in the air on the podium and I said, great. Because we all love Cliff Branch. Kirk Morrison, again, who does radio in Los Angeles for ESPN, works on the Rams broadcast. Great former Raider. Phenomenal player. Hall of Famer, no. But a Hall of Fame guy. It was great to hang out with him. 
So I wanted to share that with you because it was important to remind everybody that Robert Gallery is back. <clears throat> He's going to be a big part of the organization from an alumni perspective. And I had a great time with him. So after this event ended, which was a beautiful event, Allegiant Stadium, catered food, on the field. There were a couple of tours going on at the same time, so the tours were coming through. When we were done, the gentleman who helped put the event on with me said, JT, do you, would you like to see the Wynn nightclub? The Wynn club that is in the other end zone. So that would be the north end zone. And I said, I'd love to. I've seen pictures, and I'd like to see it. Now, I know that people are priced out. I know that only, you know, that's the Wynn nightclub, only customers of Win. And certain VIPs are going to get in there. But I wanted to go check it out and see what it was like. So we walked in underneath the stadium and came to this private entrance, which was the Wind Club, which was a flat-out insane nightclub. I couldn't believe it. Now, for those who rip, well, it's why we have a nightclub at a football game, because there are fans that want that experience. And it's going to be unbelievable. And there's only 10 football games a year for the Raiders, right? We have nine home games, one preseason game. There's 365 days a year. There's concerts, concerts, big events that require a nightclub. That's what the clients in Vegas want. Clients in Green Bay and clients in Jacksonville where they have a swimming pool and clients in, let's just say, Kansas City, they don't want a nightclub in the end zone. And maybe some Raider fans don't, but we have it. So anyway, I walked through this nightclub and my mind was blown. I walked all the way up to the seats that are on the end zone. And they are literally on the back line of the end zone. It's incredible how the back line of the end zone is so close to that. So I sat in one of those big leather booths and sat back in it, which I think it sits about eight to ten people in one of those booths where there's going to be bottle service and all that. There's a DJ booth to the left and a whole bunch of these unbelievable, incredible sightline booths where you could watch the game. And then I went into the nightclub where they have this massive LED screen and a DJ booth in the back, and you'd have no idea you were in a football stadium. You're in a pure nightclub, which was incredible. The floors glittered, polished. It was amazing. So, again, some people are going to get it. Other people are going to say, JT, I don't care about a nightclub at a football stadium. Well, people are going to, and people are going to pay a premium to sit there, and they're going to have a good time. And when there's no games and there's a concert that is there, you'll be able to sit if you're able to go there through win in that partnership and see something really unique. So everything that I've been privy to see, and I haven't been privy to see everything in the stadium, the vision that the Raiders had, Allegiant Stadium, and those who came up with that win, day club, night club, I think it's just called win club. It's going to be one of the greatest amenities in the history of a stadium. Remember, this is not an NFL stadium, just that. I bought my soccer tickets today as a PSL holder. Soccer tickets became available. I bought three underneath the torch. I'm going to go with my son to that. We're going to have the Wilder Fury fight. Some big concerts coming up here. Garth Brooks. And the stadium just pops. So when I was done coming out of the nightclub, I had walked to my car. And as I was getting there, I came out and it was boiling hot. I mean, it was hot. It was, it was that 107-degree day on Friday, and I took off my suitcase, uh, suit coat, and I was walking to the parking lot, and I drove away. And I looked at that stadium again, and I said, we are all lucky. Anybody who has a ticket, a PSL, who's going to be attending, anybody who's going to be visiting from out of market, when they come to Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, they're going to get blown away. They're going to see the coolest football stadium now, better than SoFi, 
less expensive, but it's going to be more of an intimate experience where you feel like you're at a stadium for an iconic team. That's not going to happen at SoFi. SoFi is generic. It's big. It's split by the Rams and the Chargers, and it doesn't have the look of the feel of the Raider Nation. The torch looks incredible again, and I just had that perspective. I'm so lucky and humbled to share these stories about Robert Gallery and talking to these alumni behind the scenes and walking out onto the field and seeing this that I know all you fans that haven't taken a tour yet, get a tour. Just treat it like Disneyland. Buy a tour and go do it because you're going to see things that you're not going to see when you go to the stadium when the season starts. So if you want that opportunity to go in the broadcast booth and step up at the podium where John Gruden does and to go into the locker room and come out onto the field and go through the Champions Club, be proud of this building. This building is going to be talked about for decades to come because of the in-game experience and everything that's going to happen when there isn't a football game. Got WWE coming in now. All of these events, people are going to come in and going to leave and say, Vegas did it right. The Raiders did it right. The city did it right. And we come together and do deals in this town. So Friday was really cool. That kicked off the weekend. I went to the Golden Knight game Friday night. That was fantastic to be up in the press box, to walk around, to see a lot of friends in the building. The energy was electric. Now Vegas has tied up the Series 2-2. They're in Denver now to play tomorrow, and they got to win. They should be up three games to one. They hit the post multiple times in Game 2 and lost in overtime. That game could come back to haunt them. But I hope they're playing so much better than Colorado right now that they bring that momentum in and win and come back to Vegas and close it out Thursday night at the Fortress. So we got a lot happening here. A lot of new dates announced for Allegiant Stadium. A lot of big things happening this summer. Uh, This weekend, Thursday to Sunday, I'll be at Virgin Hotels. They're going to have their second grand opening weekend, which is going to be a really big deal out there. So I hope a lot of our friends can support that property because we have a lot of friends that work there. And that's it. Good weekend. We continue on with the show again. Off tomorrow for Aviators. Full week. I'm doing a show over at the Raiders facility later on this week, and we're just ready now to start the summer. It's summertime. It's the Raiders' calm before the storm. They didn't get Julio Jones, but it looks like the Raiders are really excited with what they have with their youth, their young players on this team, and the OTA sounded fantastic. Oh, and I went with Sam and Ash to the game, and I want to just say, Sam and Ash are personal injury attorneys who care about you, their clients, and they are deal-makers They'll get a deal done for you. Sam and Ash are original partners of mine on Raider Nation Radio. Had a beautiful time with them Friday night at the game and a cocktail afterwards. If you're looking for a personal injury attorney, only one I trust, SamAndAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234. 702-820-1234. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right, right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. My nickname is Money for a reason. I worked extremely hard for years and years to get to a certain level. A level to where we could start calling everything an event. 
Well, that's Floyd. You got to give him credit. He had a big money scam. He got another massive, massive payday for the fight with Logan Paul. If you watched it last night, your reaction to it, not many people are reacting to it. Some people had problems with the download. Immediately after the fight, Kevin Ioli, the premier MMA and boxing insider, joined me, and I asked him if it was better or worse than what he expected. You know, JT, it was about what I thought it would be. Um, you know, there was a great fight on the undercard. Uh, Luis Arias upset uh, Jared Hurd. That was a really good fight. Uh, we thought that had a chance to be a good one that turned out to be that way. And then Mayweather Paul, I mean, you know, anybody who thought, you know, I wrote in my column, I said anybody who thought Logan Paul had a chance to win was either 13 years old or less or has never seen boxing in their life, right? I mean, so, uh, you know, the question was just going to be how much effort did Floyd put out to, you know, to to entertain and maybe to, to hurt Logan. And, of course, he didn't do much. And, you know, I didn't anticipate him doing too much. Well, when you look at the blurred line now, Kevin, of putting a really good fight on a card and then potentially going forward, mixing and matching it with a YouTube fighter or an exhibition, is that a concern? Do a lot of boxing insiders worry about this? There, you know, there are a lot of people that are expressing concern. You know, I don't like the fights, but I wouldn't say I have a concern. You know, as long as they're making the fights that need to be made, and they, and for the most part, they are. This is one of the rare times in boxing when you, a couple of weeks ago we had Ramirez and Taylor fight for the undisputed title. We're going to have Lopez fight uh, defend the undisputed lightweight title coming up. Uh, they did schedule an undisputed heavyweight title fight, uh, but that got the courts uh, overturned that temporarily. But so things are trending in the right direction in boxing. So it's as long as they make those fights, I, I don't get all worked up and bothered by these YouTube fights. I don't like them, and, you know, I, I would do without them. But, you know, they don't bother me as long as they make the right fights, which they seem to be doing. Kevin Ioli joins us. The only concern I have is if you're going to have a real card or a couple of real fights on a card and then you throw in a YouTuber or something with a legend like this, they have to promote it. So Logan Paul takes Floyd's hat off, and it has a really big right. WWE feel to it. And I know a lot of diehard boxing fans don't want that in their sport. They want the history of Jake LaMotta, Sugar Ray Robinson, Ali Frazier, Sugar Ray Hagler, and all that, and they don't want this to infiltrate the history of the sport. But then I'm sure other people say you need more younger fans in the demographic. And this brings in more younger fans who might take a look. Well, you know, that is a rationale I've heard, you know, so I don't agree with either of those ends of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, on the one hand, I mean, these, you know, old time boxing fans, they need to realize that the hard, hardcore fans are the smallest overall percentage of the fan group, right? I mean, they buy everything and they're the very, you know, they're just a couple of percent, if that, of the overall fan group that these kind of events are going out to. So, you know, so what they think really doesn't make that much of a difference, right? Um, but then on, on the other hand, you know, on the other side of it, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, JT. I just think when you when you get on the other side of it and, you know, it, it's it's not that big of a deal to put those on. But there's only so many of those fights you can make. Right. You know, and I, in my, I updated my column while I was waiting for you to uh, reach out. And one of the things I said was, you know, as long as they don't put the Paul brothers in there with somebody like Chocolatito Gonzalez, you know, who weighs 115 pounds. Then, you know, then it be, really becomes farcical. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. There's only so many fights that you can make with these guys. You know, there's going to be a number of 
of MMA fighters that want to, you know, get in there and they'll try to milk that. But I think the public will lose interest in that pretty soon. And so who do they who do they put the Paul brothers in with? You know, I think it's a, a they have a short lifespan here. You know, Showtime undoubtedly is hoping to get a Jake Paul Mayweather fight out of this and so that's why they have him fighting Tyron Woodley but I wouldn't be too worried that this is going to be a thing that you know really detracts from boxing because I think it's just a a way like you know Showtime is doing a really good job on most of their boxing but they're losing a hell of a lot of money they're not getting good ratings people aren't watching it so I think that this is a way for them to recoup some of the money that they put out and thought they would get and still be able to give us the elite uh, boxing matches. Kevin Ioli's our guest. Kevin, you're fantastic at the numbers and breaking down the pay-per-views. You get some of that access before anyone. What do you anticipate from what you saw with the gate, just by the look, the eyeball test, and what you were hearing around the industry, the upside of how much they can do and what the take would be for Logan Paul or Floyd? Yeah, I, you know, this is this is a tough one because, you know, I'm pretty good at, at the regular fights, right? You know, saying, yeah. okay, this guy, this guy, this is what the market's going to be for them. You know, and you know Floyd is big, but uh, the problem is, like, how much did this thing resonate? Plus, here's the thing that I don't think a lot of people consider. It was on a Sunday night. And, um, you know, the UFC a couple of years ago, they changed their start time. They moved it up one hour and their pay-per-view numbers dropped and they noticed it and they quickly moved it back. Right. They understood the difference. And so they, you know, people are creatures of habit. They know that these pay-per-views basically start at nine o'clock. Um, uh, boxing started nine o'clock Eastern time. And that's when they tune in and you put it on a Sunday. Uh, you know, then all of a sudden it's a totally different uh, thing. And so uh, to me, that makes me think it's going to be less. I, I think for sure they're going to do over uh, a half a million, you know, and I think they have a chance to, you know, close in on a million. I mean, they would have, you know, been, you know, been closer had, uh, had they kept that Pascal fight on and had a little bit, you know, more, you know, news about two really good fights. Pascal uh, funk a bunch of drug tests and couldn't fight uh, Buddy Jack in the primary uh, undercard bout. But I, you know, I think that they'll get close to a million dollars here. And, you know, Logan's going to probably take home 10 to 12, I would think, you know, maybe a little bit more than that. Floyd, Floyd told me 50 to 100. I think that might be a little bit high, to be honest with you. But, you know, if he go, let's just say he goes uh, 35 to 60. I think that's a pretty good range for him. Wrapping it up with Kevin Ioli. Kevin, what are you most impressed about with this stage of Floyd's life with I mean, not many people have the access you have, and a lot of fighters start burning through money. They don't pay their taxes. They have legal issues. And Floyd is doing better than I thought at this stage for all the money he made. And then you infuse this type of capital and money and promotion into him, and he doesn't have to fight a real boxer, and he can make this type of money. What a business move for him. Yeah, you know, and a couple of years ago, he fought the, kid, the Japanese kid that weighs 118 pounds, a kickboxer, and he made $9 million and knocked him out in one round. I mean, so, you know, I mean, if you and I could do that, God bless us, right? And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, give Floyd credit. You know, he's smart. You know, I, I think the other thing you have to do is you've got to give Al Heyman credit. You know, Al Heyman mm-hmm. is perceived by a lot of boxing fans as the devil. But I think Al Heyman deserves a lot of credit because he set up a lot of this stuff and put in motion. Now, Floyd reached out to other people who helped him. But Al Heyman was the guy that got a lot of this set up and, and going forward. And he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for helping Floyd get to where he is. He's never going to get it, you know, because he's not a popular guy. But I, and, he, and he stays in the background and doesn't promote himself. He never talks to the media. But I think that, you know, he definitely deserves um, – you know, he definitely deserves a, a pat on the back for what, you know, Floyd's success.
We both live in Vegas, finally. What do you think about the ramp-up for Wilder Fury 3, the size of the fight, the pay-per-view, the hunger for boxing fans to see these two heavyweights again, considering Fury wanted to get going with Joshua. How big could this be in Vegas? You know, I think it's going to be a big fight because it's going to be one of the first really big fights that come, you know, uh, to Las Vegas after, you know, I was at the Golden Knights game the other day at 100% capacity, so it was awesome. You know, you could tell people are hungry to be back at these live events. So I think it's going to be a big fight. It's not going to be as massive as as it was last year or it could have been, you know, under different circumstances, but because Fury uh, dominated that fight so much and then the way Wilder reacted afterwards, I think really hurt hurt and plus the public was really hungry for joshua uh fury uh and we had it made and then the arbitrator came in and took it away so i, I think it'll hurt it a little bit but i think it's you know it's a fight that does five six seven hundred thousand uh which is a good number on a pay-per-view um and, and, you know, I think it's going to be a fun event. I, I'm sure they'll put on a strong undercard uh, to support it. Uh, and they'll have the um, both networks, uh, Fox and ESPN, really pushing it. In the summer when there's not a lot else going on, they'll be able to pump it on all the baseball broadcasts and, the, you know, the golf broadcasts and whatnot and get, you know, get some attention out to it. And I, so I think it'll, it'll turn out to be a pretty good event, even if it won't be as big as it could have possibly been at one point. Fantastic. I just retweeted your column, the early story on Mayweather Paul from Yahoo, the great Kevin Ioli. Kevin, I'll see you here over the next couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. See you soon. The great Kevin Ioli. Hope you enjoyed that coming off. Mayweather, who is the biggest celebrity athlete in all of Vegas, where we host the show from. News out of the Raiders. The Raiders have re-signed free agent tackle Sam Young. The club just announced that. A six foot eight, three hundred and two pound offensive tackle rejoins the silver and black for his second season with the club and enters his 12th year. So if you look at all the deals and everything that happens and what's going on with the Raiders, man, depth for them on the offensive line is set. Now the quality of the players after saying goodbye to Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, who deserved to kick rocks, some good players up front, but they're committed with their plan with Tom Cable. So they have projected starters, and definitely a backup at every position. And guys who are hybrid players that could play either tackle or guard. So good news. A veteran that comes in and the Raiders will probably need him because the Raiders get banged up on that offensive line. They get banged up on that offensive line. And when you get banged up on the offensive line, you better have players that can protect Carr and get him going and get Carr feeling comfortable inside the pocket there. Hey, look, this year Derek might be a little bit more uncomfortable or tested in the pocket but he's Derek Carr who's a veteran he's got to be able to handle whatever they throw at him and Derek is big strong athletic and should be able to have a big year this year it's going to be a different offensive line but a little bit of that money had to be sprinkled to the defensive side the plan is in place money on defense a lot of bodies on defense young players stepping up And Gus Bradley, who's supposed to get more out of this entire defense, from the players who have already been signed to the players that are coming in and how to mesh them and get them going. James Harden will not play in Game 2 for the Brooklyn Nets due to that hamstring injury. That is a big storyline because this is it for the Bucs. If they can't win without James Harden playing, they're not going to win that series. And we get a chance tonight to see the Nuggets and the Suns. No LeBron James. That's a big loss. No LeBron from here on out as he gets ready for the Space Jam movie. 
And tomorrow night, everybody will be excited because the Vegas Golden Knights will play game five in Denver against the Avalanche, a very good team that plays better at home than they did on the road. How great is it to see the Golden Knights dominating the Avalanche from the second period of game two all the way to the end of game four? They're the better team, and they got to keep the momentum. And they got little to no puck luck in, in Colorado, and they're going to have to get it. They cannot have a dramatic loss. They've got to win this game. And if they do, I like the way the rest of the playoffs set up. With the Canadians coming out of nowhere, Tampa Bay still looming. And the rest of the way, I feel confident out west. I really believe whoever wins this series is going to go to the Stanley Cup and the Bruins and the Islanders. That's a lot of fun, too. Thanks to all of our guests today. Bobby put the show together, as always. Outstanding job by Bobby getting the show going. Ben Troop, uh, we looked at a great insider from the Titans who checked in, and we had Kevin Ioli and McGloin, the McGloin train, Matt McGloin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our partners, everybody. I'm back every night during the week, 7 to 10 p.m. on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM 82. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good day, you guys.